Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday the 16th of September and joining me on this edition for the first time probably this year, Mark Hodgkinson. Hello. The dreams of youth are the regrets of maturity. Assistant editor Steve Withers. Sunshine is my destroyer. And Ed Selly. I do nothing for your pleasure. The best home cinema podcast in the UK, five stars. Thank you, Paul, 1977. Perfect balance of humour <laughs> and information. Projects in the post. <laughs> five five stars from Scott W. 75. Thank you for that one. Informative and funny, five stars from uh, Krishar. Thank you very much for that. Captain Boring says it's brilliant and interesting. Coming from Captain Boring, we'll take that as a, as a compliment. Um, and the other one is, uh, the presenters told me to rate it five stars. Five stars. I hope you're happy now. And that's from A Grange. Yes, we're no, happy. No, we're not. <laughs> Thank you very much, people, for uh, for leaving your feedback on uh, on the uh, iTunes um, feed for the podcast. Please keep leaving them. Keep leaving the five stars. It pushes us up the charts. Uh, it gets new listeners. It gets new people involved. And uh, that's all a good thing. So thank you very much. And talking about good things, current competitions. Mark, you haven't been around for a while. What can we win? I have no dates, but these will be open no. for a little while. We've got um, Beetlejuice on Blu-ray, which I quite liked. And Last of the Mohicans which I didn't, also on Blu-ray. That one's open to active members and the Beetlejuice is open to all members. Any previous winners? Yes, previous winners. Just come into that. So Lawrence of Arabia was picked up by forum regular Dante01 and Little Shop of Horrors was picked up by Spurscow. There you go. Congratulations. Well done to uh, competition winners there. And don't forget, there's two more Blu-rays just posted today as the podcast is being recorded. Uh, go and win them. Um, right, so uh, the other big thing happening last week, which um, we all completely forgot about, uh, until we had to sit down and watch the live feed, Steve, and I think um, our Skype conversation backwards and forwards was more interesting than anything that happened. In fact, at one point, I thought the whole Apple press conference, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought it was a spoof. I thought they were deliberately sending themselves up. Yeah, there was a point at which it began to become overtly comic. And you and I were just in hysterics because some of the stuff they were announcing, it, I mean, it's, it felt like the kind of thing that people would do in a piss take. And I couldn't believe that we were actually watching a real live <laughs> broadcast from Cupertino. Yeah. It, well, I mean, the first one was the Apple Pro, um, you know, <laughs> a 12-inch tablet for professionals. It's, it's basically a desktop in your hand. And we thought, eh, okay. And then when it came to Apple Pencil... <laughs> Yeah, the Apple Pencil's a bit where we just fell about laughing. Because um, it, 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 Partly because, yeah, I can remember quite clearly Steve Jobs saying, you know, we don't only like anything like a stylus, we can, you can use your finger. It's the best pointing device in the world. Just well, what he pencil. actually said was, if you need a stylus, you've lost <laughs> or give up. Didn't they, didn't they say something similar about keyboards as well? <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing. That was the other thing. And I'm thinking, oh, this yeah. has to be a spoof because the keyboard was the Microsoft Surface keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> And you're thinking, what? And then Microsoft come on stage and you're thinking, really? I thought that was the most interesting bit, really. That kind of realisation from Microsoft that they're just a software and services company. Now, <laughs> they're not really bothered about hardware anymore. But yeah, I thought that was the most interesting bit of the bit I flicked through and watched back. I can't say I watched it all like you guys did. Oh, Christ. Uh, two hours, that was probably the longest I, I, I've I done them remember. before. They're, they're awful. They really are bad. It yeah, was turning into a real chore. It was. At the halfway mark, really. Because the only reason we were really watching it, I couldn't really care less about it. Because it started off with Apple Watch. So it's like, yeah, great, Apple Watch. So basically it was just a, the same thing again, but with some different straps and a bit more, you know, slightly different software. But already been generally agreed the Apple Watch was, wasn't good enough considering how long it took to come to take, it took to get to market. Uh, and then they move on to iPad. Oh, well done, boys. They're flogging the iPad again. It's the iPad Pro. So it's basically just a slightly larger high resolution screen and more processing power don't don't, don't don't get me wrong i can see the market for it it's a niche but i can see the market for it I can what's see this iPad pro yeah yeah i, I can see I, what, I, why i've got to be it. honest i i'm in no way shape or form a professional as these podcasts will testify <laughs> but um as just the really most ridiculously satisfying way of controlling my music streamer it's like yeah that looks really cool yeah but you wouldn't <laughs> go for that i mean I, I think if you're looking for an all-round thing you can carry around the house and control everything in the house an ipad mini does the job because it's a small form factor yeah i Sits just in the like big easier. ones said the actress to the bishop i don't know for whatever reason of all the stuff that they announced that's the only one where i thought it's pointless but i'd quite happily have one my current ipad is absolutely at death's door at the moment so we shall see where 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 the cut where the chips fall 
when full it's experience is about twelve hundred <laughs> quid, though, isn't it? It's if you get everything, all the yeah, all the I, I, piece, I, I, yeah. Well, here's the thing: I don't need a huge, I, I, I don't need a huge amount of capacity on it. The only thing that seems to worry is, is there's, it looks like only the very highest spec one has a three G slot, which I think is mm-hmm. pointless. But, but what see. would you use the professional one for that you can't do on the other one? It's just bigger. I don't. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to be in any way childish about this, but it just looks like a really satisfying thing to just prod. So yeah, that that's. I have. There's no other justification for it other than actually, I have used in in my other sort of lines of lines of earning money. Um, I do routinely use a piece of software called Zendesk, which has an iPad port. I could see beefing up the size of that being quite handy. So yeah, we, I don't know. It's more a question. It just looks like a just looks like a, a a quite a desirable thing, which is not something I can necessarily say about a huge amount of Apple's offerings of late. Mm, interesting. I, I Ed, like Ed, Ed, Ed you're, you're probably the last person I would have thought would have said that. Go on, Steve. <laughs> I was going to say I scroll back through our Skype conversations to get back to Wednesday evening, and I can see what we were actually saying. So I kicked off with blah, 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 Apple Watch, blah, 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 iPad iPad Pro. Have they had an original idea since Steve Jobs kicked the bucket? Oh, and for f***'s sake, will Apple make an iPad with the correct aspect ratio screen? <laughs> How many times are they going to use the word incredible? That was the most embarrassing bit. It's like, it was, wasn't quite as embarrassing as Steve Well, well no, if, like, if it so. wasn't incredible, it was changing the future, or it was changing the future of computing, or changing the future of television, or changing I the future. I thought only Sarah Connor could change the future. Yeah. <laughs> no, the incredible this, incredible that. It's like, get another word, for God's sake. But they had all these guys on stage who were not the most natural presenters, I've got to say, you know. And you began to realize how cool and, and good Steve Jobs was uh, doing this because he did it in a kind of kind of cool way. And these guys all just looked, tried to look like, you know, typical sort of over enthusiastic well, Americans. He, it was just had, embarrassing. He had a good voice. He, he could carry himself. He had a, yeah. he had a bit of personality. He was a salesman. That's yeah, what he was. Yeah, he totally. was a salesman. I mean, Tim, bloody good one. I mean, Tim Cook, I, I, I can't listen to him for overly long because he's got a really annoying voice the main reason we were yeah, watching we were this was, was this because podcast. it was we had the tip that there was going to be a new apple tv it was going to be the best thing ever and basically it came along no 4k so it's completely irrelevant and dead straight away because there's no 4k no hdr it's had a couple of little things added the remote looks nice and the boxes expanded a little bit and it's got a better chip in there but it's very us centric so if you're in the uk half the apps are i'm not even going to work for you so Future of television, is it? Don't think I've so. got to say, the balls on that company to say that Apple TV was the future of television when all the things they were announcing, other manufacturers, TV manufacturers have been doing for the last couple of years. I mean, there was nothing on that that was new or in any way revolutionary at all. It was just an apps platform, slightly rejigged uh, interface, a bit of memory on the box. They've dropped the optical digital output, haven't they? It's just HDMI output. It's not 4K. It doesn't support HDR. It's got a jazzed up rem- um, um, remote. This has got, you know, a touchpad, basically, which has been going on on TVs for years now. They've added some games. Oh, well done, boys. They've been doing that on TVs for years now. You know, they basically they're pushing Apple Music. They're pushing iTunes. I think the best thing was is the multi-platform searching facility, which isn't, again, unique, but... Um... Yeah, yeah that, that was the one thing I thought, oh, now that's handy. So you look up a title, um, so let's say you look up something like um, Paddington, the movie, and it'll tell you it's on Prime, it's on iTunes, it's on some other service, and Hulu or whatever. I like that. I thought that, yeah, okay. I, I can that, that'll watch never it. get over here, as we say, that we'll never have that for iPlayer and you know, our but again, search our recommendation features are nothing new either, are they? But, well, well, no, is, but, but that was that was a bit the one thing where you thought, yeah, that's handy. Because I quite fancy the US that. do Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Plus, Crackle, Voodoo, and HBO. So it's already better than Apple's. And Apple will never have all those services on the, on their platform. So, yeah. So it's even that function, the Roku, the Roku betters. Nice remote, though. Are we genuinely surprised? Because no, no, because thus it's... far every single generation of Apple TV has been almost an indispensable object, but has found some way of making itself far less covetable, satisfying, or useful than it actually should have been. It's, it's the and one, this is no exception. It's the one Apple product I always think, why are you bothering? Why bother? Because people out there do it far better than you do it. So why are you? But even they sell a lot of them, actually, Phil. You'd be surprised how many of those bloody things they sell. I tell you what, if they put 4K on it and so it supported Netflix 4K and things like that, maybe ultimately I would have bought one if I had a fast enough broadband connection, just for that reason. But as it stands, it doesn't read you much more than the one I've already got. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I've never seen the point of the Apple TV because it's been so US-centric. Another thing is, this is the reason why they've never bothered with an actual TV, is the music business side of things, Steve Jobs did it right, went to the music companies, got it all set up to so iTunes. When it launched, there was loads of content there and it was a viable service right from the start. They're never going to do that with a TV and film business because there's so many rights issues, so many rights holders, so many people with so many fingers and so many pies that there's no way that you'd be able to license everything that they would need to license and have access to to make it a success. And this is why Apple TV has to be US-centric because worldwide there's absolutely no way that they could have the types of services together. And it's why we've never seen anybody have a killer TV box media player because there's so many issues when it comes to TV and film rights. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they've tried. The rumor has it that they've been negotiating with the studios and the and the major TV networks, but they've just been pissing everyone off by asking for it on the cheap, like they did with music. So yeah, um, yeah, it'll never happen. And and if you're in the US, the Roku's still still a better platform. It's got more key services than Apple TV will ever have. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be I'd like to be proven wrong. So Apple, if you want to prove us wrong, yeah, prove us wrong. The challenge is there. You know. As our resident expert on these things, what, what box would you recommend them? What for the in, in the UK? Still, yeah, in the in the UK, yeah. Yeah, the, the Rocky or an LG um, Blu-ray player that has a, virtually or that's everything you would want on it. Okay, interesting. I mean, you sent me a Fire Stick the other day to try out um, because I wanted to get some Amazon content. I got to say, I watched. <laughs> I've mentioned already. It was, it was a good little film, padding. Um, I was on a ten-foot scope screen through a JVC projector, and you could have fooled me if you'd said it was Blu-ray. Yeah, from, from well, a normal the quality from, from Amazon 1080p stuff is now really, really good. Yeah, from a normal viewing distance, you know, if you put the Blu-ray back to back, I might have been it, but but that'd have, been, have to be back to back because very little in the way of compression issues. I mean, you were saying it's 10 megabits per second that they're streaming. Yeah, out. They're, they're 1080p. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix is seven-ish, I think. So going on to what we were talking about last week, and I mean jokingly, you know, talking about Steve, the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, but even even Blu-ray, when you're seeing performance like that through a little stick that's 35 quid and what what's Amazon membership? It's 70 quid 70 a year? 70 quid a year, yeah. Um, you, can do, you can do video only now, you know. They don't really advertise it, but you can't do video <laughs> well, six, six pounds six pound a month. So five really? Okay. Month. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at that, why would you go out and, and spend... I mean, I'm contemplating going up to Tesco and buying um, Avengers today, and then I'm thinking, well, am I really in that big a rush? Because four or five months' time, it's going to be in one of these services. and I quicker can... than that, Phil. You'd be able... Well, it depends, but you can pay for it to oh, watch yeah, yeah. it. I mean, I could rent it now, I, I suppose. I'm, yeah, you know, rent it. Um, yeah, Sky have got it. So, so, I mean, why would you go and buy the disc? Well, I know why I would, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, why why would you go and buy? I this? like owning physical media. That's the thing. Is is that the only thing? I mean, technically, no. Is... And I think technically, it's still superior, a superior performance, uh, you know, and a repeatable performance every single time. And it, and it very depends entirely upon your broadband speed as well. But certainly, you know, with a Blu-ray, you're going to get pristine picture and sound and other things like you know Atmos and that sort of stuff. Which you're not, not getting to get from the streaming. You are going to get Amos from streaming. Yeah, you yes. will get it eventually. Yeah. Well, Netflix said to me last year they were going to do it and HDR. Um, so, so really, technically, what what more do you have? You have a physical format. Yes, I, I agree with you. It's the same every time. Whereas, you know, you could have issues with your streaming or whatever. But, um, you know, apart from that, and the extras. But those advantages are just closing and closing and closing. Yep. I mean, I can't remember the last time. Ironically. Um, I am more likely to have a glitch in a Sky recording or broadcast than I am on either Netflix. And I've now got a Fire TV stick as well. Early days, but yeah, it seems to be entire, entirely I, I, stable I, I, as well. I was absolutely blown away with it. I thought, you know, Netflix is good, but Netflix, it can fall down, especially in in dark films, dark areas, shadowed. You, like, you yeah. get compression issues, you get gradation, banding and all that kind of thing. But the the Amazon one, it was like, gee, this is really good. I mean, it was, it was noticeably better. They could definitely improve significantly in the last six months because I remember watching stuff recently and thinking that looked a lot better than I remember it looking in in previous times I've watched stuff on Amazon. I think they've really upped their game. Right, so if 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray has a future, Steve, uh, Sony have made an announcement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Sony have announced that they're going to be using Dolby Vision on their, um, well, all all their, not just Blu-ray, but uh, all... Ultra four, uh, 4K Ultra HD uh, content. So presumably that's also for streaming services. Um, I think uh, this is the second 
studio to announce that because uh, certainly Matt, uh, Warner's earlier in the year announced they would be using Dolby Vision as well on their HDR content. I was looking for the specs earlier on, Steve, and um, I couldn't see anywhere that Dolby Vision was down in the specs as an official standard. In uh, For Blu-ray? For Blu-ray, yeah, 4K Blu-ray. I think, no, I think... Um, was, it, was it down as an optional? Because it's not down as yeah, a... Yeah, it's an optional. All right. So what, what, what's the, in the specs? Is it HDR10? It's HDR10, yeah. Yeah, but there are there are also optional specs, and definitely the the other because there are a number of different HDR um, technologies available. There's obviously Dolby Vision HDR10, which is open source. Then there's the one the BBC have been developing. There's one developed by Philips, and there's also one developed by Technicolor. So you know, the question becomes, regardless of which one various studios decide to use, because. Um, for example, um, Fox also announced the last uh, week before last EFA that they were using they'd have HDR on their um, content, but they didn't specify what it was. So I'm guessing since they were doing it in hand in hand with um, Samsung, that it might be HDR10 for them. But you know, if you've got different studios using different technologies, the question becomes: Can your HDR display, HDR capable display, actually handle these different technologies? Well, my understanding is that even though there's four or five different versions and companies, that there's roughly just two two slight changes to the technologies yeah i mean i think uh dolby vision they they do the mastering at four thousand nits something like that <laughs> well, as opposed to a thousand which is pretty much the standard for the rest well, of the i think the sta- this, that's the standard industry yeah. wide at the minute i mean that's what mike was telling us you know, two or three weeks ago was was that's what he's working mm-hmm. at um and that's again just to make abundantly clear that's only for like 30 percent of the screen surface could actually hit yeah. that <laughs> at, at if, present, if given even. given the technology that's that's available, so we're not going to get um, ourselves tied up in the numbers. The the only thing I would say is I I, I can kind of see why Sony are doing this because they're going with a well known brand and and if you're trying to get something across, something new across to the consumer, you want to have a brand name there which which the consumer is going to you know recognise. And I think if you're going with the Dolby logo, which everybody knows from the 1970s onwards. Um, you kind of you kind of got a safe bet there if you're calling it Dolby Vision. The consu- it's easier for the consumer to understand then, is it not? Rather than yeah, I, HDR. I can see that argument definitely. If you're trying to push, I mean HDR you know, to the general guy in the street, that's not going to mean anything, is it? Uh, or even you know multi multi dimensional audio or you know immersive audio. But if you have Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos, suddenly the multi dimensional sounds awesome. I mean, it's, I'm thinking <laughs> in a completely different concept. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to watch it with my other selves. <laughs> um, I, I mean, just coming back to HDR, the, those that have heard of HDR normally confuse it with photography, with stills, um, and it's got nothing to do with that whatsoever. And let me make that abundantly clear because there was some misunderstanding on the comments of last week, last week's uh, podcast. In no way is it connected with still photography HDR. From my perspective, um, like I said, as, as long as the displays are agnostic regarding different HDR formats, I and, really and I think I think you'll find that that has to be the case because the yeah. last thing a manufacturer wants is um, customers coming back saying this doesn't work, that doesn't work, and, and jamming up the the service phone lines and so on. I mean, it's one thing that manufacturers are very careful of because the last thing they want is any support calls. Um, yeah, right. And if you've got two or three different systems and none of them are compatible, um, it's, it's just not going to happen. The industry, I don't think the industry is that stupid to let that happen. Hopefully, fingers crossed. So, yeah, I love the, the way that you suddenly started to rope out of the that stupid. I was backing out of that pretty quickly, Ed. <laughs> yeah, all right, so agnostic displays. You never cease to be amazed at what, what this industry is capable of if it, if it, if it decides to, <laughs> to really throw its toys out of the pram. Oh, I, I still go back to 2007 at CES. That is just, you know... <laughs> for two camps having a go at each other and they're the stands next to each other and all oh, the politics and one was telling you one thing and one was telling you the other and, and yeah it's completely and I'm talking about Blu-ray HD DVD here um, that was just hilarious and then the last of Toshiba almost in tears at the press conference saying they were drunk I mean that's the most surreal thing I've seen in my life and <laughs> yeah it's capable of doing silly things like that yeah so yeah we shall see I'm sure that they will find a way of making it just that little bit harder than it needs to be. But the good news is that with Warner's announcing, you know, remastering content and and 4K content with HDR and, and Fox and now Sony, you know, you can see that there's there's a bit of momentum building now behind 4K new standards, HDR, 10-bit, DCI, whatever, quite a colour space. Um, and hopefully 
ultra you know 4k ultra hd blu-ray as well sorry Keep banging Steve. that drum darling sorry. yeah yeah, yeah. I'm gonna that. um I, I really do hope it happens because you know even though we're, we're saying I, I guess we're just saying how amazed we are at the rate the technology is moving along i mean everything from streaming to you know this the potential of 4k ultra hd blu-ray just go back five years ago even i mean you couldn't imagine being at this point where you could potentially by the end of the year be sat at home watching a movie the way it was supposed to be seen in the cinema with a dci color space uh, the correct gamma curve and on a display with four 4k you know mm. just it, sometimes we I, th- I think because we do this on a daily basis for our jobs uh, you get a bit jaded and it's the same thing but when you actually stop and think about where the technology is and what you can actually get home now with the technology you can buy in the shops and you're not spending an absolute fortune either um unbelievable and then you've got some people who still play with their turntables hey look i'm in a good place i'm i'm completely happy Think it seems to be that more and more people are are coming around to my my way of thinking as well. So, <laughs> have you yeah. have you seen that you can get the uh, is it the QI podcast or is the people behind QI are going to do a podcast which are going to release on vinyl? Splendid! I won't be rushing out for that one. Um, it it but, strikes me as total hipster. Yes, it does, doesn't it? And I just don't have the beard for it. But um, yeah, as I say, it, it it's interesting. I um, last year. Um, I, I've meant to mention this a while ago whilst I was doing it. I didn't buy, I set out to not buy a single CD last year. So if I could just buy stuff via downloads or, or vinyl, or whatever. This year, without actually having a no CD policy, other than two used ones, again, had no requirements to do it. And downloads have come on so far for lot, good, lossless and high res audio downloads have come on so far in, the, in, in this year alone that, yeah, it's it's brilliant loving it it's a, a, a brave new world for two channel audio we, we've got our standards in place and it's going quite nicely thanks yeah but when your standards don't have to change for for you know 100 years okay. well that's one of the standards but i stress that we have managed to you know just about get some other ones through the door in that time yeah well you say you up. say that ed but i mean there have been some major and spectacular flops on the music side of things as well. yes yes they have no question um and we but, could be here all day discussing it, but we're not going to do that because we got to say that for another podcast, boys. We'll say, we'll say yeah, that I, after last last week's mammoth edit, I will keep this one on, on message as long as possible. Uh, talking about price, Panasonic have released the price of their OLED TV. Now we were led to believe it was going to be about eight and a half thousand pounds. Um, actually, it's only five hundred pounds less than that, lads. So really affordable at seven nine nine nine. It's made all the difference yeah. for me. I can get two thousand pounds to you, sir. <laughs> Uh, oh, I, 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 I tweeted you when you released that information. For, I'm a, I had a really good look, and I was uh, seven thousand nine hundred eighty-six pounds short, and you still refused <laughs> to give me an advance. So, um, yeah, well, what I said was, I can wait. give you a few options to that advance. <laughs> you wouldn't like any of them, though. Uh, I didn't take you off on that. They, it sounded either sordid or <laughs> would result in me selling a kidney, and <laughs> neither of those really blew my frock up. I, I guess we've got to take this in context, uh, and it's what we said last week. It's a premium product. It's a premium price. They're not going to be making that many of them. They just do not have the economies of scale when it comes to the product at the minute. This is all about, look at what we can do. Look at the processing behind the, the, the panel. Um, look at the picture quality. Isn't it great? And for those lucky enough uh, to be able to afford it, then I'm envious because I, <laughs> I think it's an absolute cracker. Um, of a TV uh, but for us mere models we just have to wait for the economies of scale but the fact that you've now got two companies in the market competing with each other there's rumours that another Japanese company well there's only other one, one other Japanese company still making TVs possibly CES we're going to get an announcement from Sony perhaps maybe that would be the, surprising it's the rumour on the grapevine so that can only be a good thing and if we look at LG Display and see how they're doing with yields and if they can get it up and up so they can be selling this out. And, of course, we're forgetting about the Chinese as well. Yeah. And we know that that's going to happen, Steve, don't we, um, OLED-wise? Yeah. So, yeah, it's £8,000. That TV's going to be £8,000. There's, there's no other way around it. If it comes down to £5,000, it'll be a bargain. Um, Kyle thinking that LG will be the first on the list for buying one, and then they'll, they'll just reverse engineer everything <laughs> Panasonic have done. To but you it. see, I, I don't. I, to be honest with you, after speaking with with LG and speaking with Panasonic, 
I think there's a bit of a working relationship going on there, a behind the scenes anyway, where, you know, I think Panasonic will be saying, well, you know, if, can you do this for us? And, and this is the reason why. And then LG will be taking that on board and, and giving. I, I don't think yeah. there's this. I don't think there's there's this, that people have this this um, thing in the head where they think that LG <laughs> are, are grudgingly selling these to Panasonic right. and so on. You pointed out in the past, Phil, that LG displays is a separate company, isn't it? That yeah, totally. TVs yeah, to yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah, including yeah. LG. Mm-hmm. You know, consumer electronics. So yeah, I'm sure there is some feedback coming back to LG Display from Panasonic, which is good. Um, I will certainly say that last week I saw, uh, well, I calibrated um, an LG, uh, the EG960, um, 65 inch 4K OLED, and um, the guy had a BT Ultra um, Ultra HD Sport, uh, and I thought it looked absolutely awesome on it. So I mean, even though it does have some issues, I still think it's a great TV and and. There's still potential for us to get, um, for those us mere mortals to get, um, or even at five grand. That's I mean, the, the other thing. <laughs> I was going to say mere mortals, maybe not. <laughs> um, but, you know, there is there is going to be great great, great um, performance and value to come from uh, from OLED over the next couple of years. So I, know, I think, you know, the Panny is, is a technological statement. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's like product, it? it's like where we were, you know, 10, 15 years ago with plasma. You know, you were paying 13,000 pounds for a four eighty line <laughs> display plasma, weren't you, back in the day? And and the early adopters got the fingers burnt. That's always the way with early adopters. You are a beta tester, but then you have the company comes along and say, "Well, this is the best that we can do with it." Blah blah blah, and and it's an expensive item. And then a few years down the line, the technology that was there then is now available in the lower models. And and you see that in every uh, sector of the, of the industry so I wouldn't panic at this and we've got to remember that on a forum it, it's the way that forums work and people will have opinions on it and yes it's too expensive I'll put my hands up there's no way I could afford one of them and and there's no way that I would get myself into debt for one either it's a nice TV but it's it's a premium TV if you can afford it then I'm really envious I also think given our priorities Phil if we're going to spend that kind of dough it would be on a projector not on a um Personally speaking, yes, I would I would blow that money if I had it on a projector, not a TV. But that's just you know that's just me. Ed, you'd blow it on a turntable, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. There's um got a uh, a Roxanne Xerxes in its latest <laughs> spec here at the moment. That's ten thousand three hundred, and I know Xerxes. for, 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 for a record player. Yeah. I I the Panasonic just ten thousand three hundred quid, yeah. <laughs> And I have that in a heartbeat. No, no, not a shadow of doubt in my mind. <laughs> oh, they saw you coming. Does it look good? It, it's um. Hold on, I'll find. I'll find. You, you're talking amongst yourselves. I'll find your picture. <laughs> I've seen it now. It doesn't look like ten grand worth of kit. Well, that's what can I say? The difference is that when the Paddy OLED has been, as you say, superseded by the the competition making everything significantly cheaper to achieve the same level of performance that'll still be worth a small fortune that's the nature of the beast to, to, I, to a very actually, small to a very small niche market is, which is yeah. why it costs ten thousand pounds because it probably costs that to make it well i mean don't get me wrong the spec they've sent it in that includes a cartridge which is three grand now i'll be honest with you i'm an enthusiast but nonetheless were it my money no uh, not least because I've got a toddler running around. I've spent most of it in blind terror that he's just going to do in for this <laughs> bloody review sample. That fix your uh, insurance policy. Well, it's a grey area. I'll be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's it's not ideal. So things like that, I you could reduce the price slightly, but um, yeah, that's what I'd have. Uh, right. So moving things along swiftly. One of the big growth areas, Ed, is lifestyle audio, and attached to lifestyle audio is multi-room audio. Uh, The ability to either listen to the same song in two or more rooms or have completely different audio tracks playing in in as many different rooms through the same system. Lots of these are on the market now. I mean, I think that the major one, the main one that that brought it to the the public's attention is Sonos. Um, They were so far ahead of the curve. Samsung's trying to make that up, obviously. So... We're now in a position where most manufacturers have their own system. So last week we were talking about MusicCast uh, from Yamaha. Uh, we also know that Heos is around from Denon. Um, there's Jongo system type thing from Pure. There's that, I keep forgetting the name. Is it Lizzie? Izzy? From Izzy. Fi- Izzy. Izzy. Izzy from Philips. And I'm sure I'm missing out on a whole load of other systems that are out there at the minute, Ed. There's plenty of them. I mean, it's been one of those things where people have looked at the amount of money 
Sonos has made from it, and um, yeah, they're uh, sort of hoping for piece of the action. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's yeah. Sorry. So let, let let's take it from right, right from the start, Ed. Um, some of our members are really quite knowledgeable in this. Other members, they're only really, really interested up till now in a five point one system with their TV and stuff. But now they're they're starting to think, well. I wouldn't mind being able to, to listen to Radio 2 in uh, in good quality while I'm having a bath in the bathroom, or I wouldn't mind listening to this in the bedroom while the wife's watching Coronation Street, whatever. They've, they've suddenly got it into their head that they want multi-room. Uh, what's the best way of doing it? Given that almost all of these systems essentially are going to make use of your home network, the first thing you need to do is make sure that your home network reaches all the places in your house that you may want to place a multi-room speaker and that it's got the capacity and the stability to actually make it all work. You don't have to go to sort of full business spec straight out of the box. If you're only looking to move Spotify, internet radio, things that you were mentioning there around the house, you're not looking at a huge amount of bandwidth. You just need to make sure that you've got the coverage and that it's going to stand up to you doing things like that. If you want to up the ante a bit and start listening to different lossless tracks in different rooms, especially if at the same time you've got things coming, it's signal coming down for Netflix or Amazon TV or so on and so forth, then you might need to start looking at beefing up the components, possibly switching to Ethernet over mains or items like that. But on a basic level, all of these systems are going to make use of your wireless network uh, so you need to ensure that it, it's got the sufficient grunt to, to to handle what you intend to do with it. The noble exception to that is Sonos, who have got a slightly different process in place. Um, essentially, they piggyback onto your network, but it's not quite you. It's not using the same sort of uh, part parts of the frequency and, and and your bandwidth in the same way. But there are limitations to that, which are becoming slightly more of an issue for Sonos as, as the time goes along. And of course, the other part that's important is you don't have to go all in. Historically, multi-room sort of went hand in hand with custom install as a concept. So you would be looking at pre-wiring at the very least, getting all of the wires to go to the places where you might conceivably want to listen to stuff and, and actually putting down quite a lot of money from the outset. The systems now, that's not part of the concept. The whole idea is that you just add to them as and when you feel like bringing audio to another part of, of the house. So it, there's no longer quite the same requirement to throw a huge amount of money at the problem straight away. One of the things that's often, one of the accusations often made against Sonos is that although it's very simple to set up and it's got good brand recognition, and everyone's, most people have heard of it, uh, easy to install, etc., it doesn't necessarily sound that good. Their speakers aren't great. No, I haven't actually reviewed a Sonos set, so I can't say that personally, but I know you have. In terms of sound quality, who do you think, um, from the ones you've experienced, who do you think delivers both the networking capabilities uh, and the sort of, you know, the coverage, but also good sound quality at the end of it? Well, I have to say, I didn't think Sonos sounded too bad. That sounds like damning with faint praise. It, taken in comparison to its rivals, I think it's perfectly competitive. And all of these systems, if you're exclusively going for the smallest standalone speaker, speaker that they make... Like any other small speaker placed in a room, if that room happens to be quite large, it's it's not going to blow you away. Those are sort of inalienable rules of physics. Um, and it's not Sonos's fault. And at the very least, Sonos were the innovators in this regard. They created a system where many Sonos speakers, and now it must be said many rivals to Sonos speakers, if you place them flat, they're a single speaker. If you have two of them, you can either... In some cases, it's just a case of as simple as sticking them up um, on on long on on the short side, and they then automatically become a stereo pair. Other times, you just have to tell them that they're a stereo pair, um, and that will obviously sound rather better than just one of these little speakers trying to hammer away heroically. One thing that's very important to say is that whilst a number of these systems are sort of here as a convenience item, and and you you have all the gradiated speakers in the range and it's all hunky-dory. It's perfectly possible in 2015 to take different UPMP products from different manufacturers and achieve exactly the same thing. There are apps that will quite happily control lots of different manufacturers' products and you could have, go go all out, you can have an, a name NDS in your, main, in your main room. So with power supply, you're looking at about nine grand's worth there. But you can send exactly the same 
audio signals to a variety of smaller and far more affordable UPnP products. And I think using one or two apps, you can even actually still do all the sort of standard trick multi-room things and tell them to all play the same thing at once. So one area that's creeping up with all of these people, all these brands, is that it's not that hard to make lots of different companies' products talk to one another. And in many ways, you can see Yamaha trying to head this off at the pass with MusicCast, which just basically is everything they do is now set up to talk to one another. So it's just rounding off the edge of convenience, but uh, allowing you to achieve the same thing. So if you've got different UPnP products, there are apps and pieces of software out there which will get them talking to one another and you can start to look at multi-room without just going in for one brand. How many people actually need a multi-room system in a typical house? I don't. Do you know well, what I mean? I, I set up, I've got little wireless speakers here and there. I just use ad hoc Bluetooth connections and just stream mm. to the individual speaker. I've got Bubble UPnP. I can stream, like you say, that's an Android app. They can stream to various devices using that if I still wish. But I, I just, I don't know. In a typical home, who needs a multi-room? I have to say, it, it's, it is an odd one. Um, I mean, I, I've spent some time, I mean, I've even worked for for a company that sort of does this sort of thing but it, it's not been a huge part of my existence up until this point uh i do think that be i mean there are times when i think it would be nice to make use of the the, the you know the, this music library that lives in the center of the house and, and and make it available to more locations but it's more a question of actually sort of space in in just finding somewhere to to plonk equipment down that that sort of prevents it but Equally, I suppose, where I think these companies are now trying to do value-added is if you look at some of the um, sort of new arrivals to this. Now, multi-room systems, they, they are sort of aware that they're, that, you know, as, as you pointed out, not everyone is immediately falling over themselves to have sound in every room. They've not felt the need for, thus far. And that it's being enroached upon by just UPnP and DNLA as standard um, uh, standard sort of uh, constructs that allow you to do the same thing. An interesting example is um, the Mosaic system. Uh, it's run by a former... The company was set up by a former work colleague of mine. We used to work together at Cambridge Audio. Now, Mosaic is fundamentally the same as the, the, the systems that we've been discussing, and news stories have appeared on it on the forms of the past. Where they're trying to get some extra sort of value into the construct is that it will integrate with lighting systems and some of the heating, ventilation, and sort of air conditioning systems on the market as well. So it ties in and becomes more of a sort of smart sort of infrastructure to the house. It's still wireless. It doesn't require wires buried into things but as well as just pumping sound around which is the easy bit it's going to allow you to do more in the way of sort of home control at the same time so this could be an area where we see the systems just trying to add a bit more sort of value and and and, and worth to the system and i suppose another area where sort of one of the larger av electronics brands might find some additional value we've already seen yamaha's music cast being able to strip audio off HDMI and off video sources coming into main rooms and stuff. Anyone that can start to then punt video around under the same terms without falling foul of all the various other copyright protection, that would obviously be that would be a fairly killer app. If you could do a cut down variation on Sky Multi Room without the unbelievable costs involved with Sky Multi Room, you might find you got quite a lot of sign up to that. Yeah, I've got to say, you know, an all in one system that does video and audio is far more appealing than just audio at the minute for me personally because I'm mm. more of a video guy. I prefer to watch things than sit in a room between two speakers for hours and then just listening. I sometimes find with these multi-room systems when you go to these press conferences Phil, and you see those you know, <laughs> promotional videos they do and they're, they're sort of giving us solutions to problems that we didn't even have in the first place. I mean, well, I don't yeah, I mean, need to hear the same music as I do from one. Are you referring to that masterpiece that the Yamaha showed us at the start? No, 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 no. no. Well, actually, no, I was thinking more the of The worst one was the Phillips one. Definitely the Phillips oh, one. Oh, no, 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 Phil. It wasn't actually, actually um, Ed is correct. You weren't present. The, the, the one that Yamaha did, I don't know who wrote the copy for it, but it was <laughs> excruciatingly bad. I mean, I mean, it was unbelievably bad. I clenched. Uh, 
and um, <laughs> walk, walk well, that's funny. seen something then, Ed. If you... they were talking about, you know, it was, it was like really flowery language, wasn't it? Like, you know, the, the, the beauty of life, the power of the, of the spoken word, the joy of music. But it was, I love that, but worse. Well, that's actually quite good. I could have sold that to them, but it was unbelievably bad. But the easy one was also really funny because it was like, you know, this typical four four squares on a screen, each room with a house full of these annoying hipsters dancing to this tune. And <laughs> I just don't need to be able to hear the same songs I, you know, yeah, but, around the house. Do you? I, I listen to some music. If I get up from this desk, I go somewhere else. I go and listen to something else. If I want to stream it, I've got AirPlay. I can do it off of my Mac to the Apple TV in the lounge if I need to listen to something in the lounge at the same. It just feels like it's not that big a deal, really, to me. Maybe it's a different generation. Thing, I, but... I think I think where I am in life now, I'm just too bloody lazy. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, how do I do this again? Oh, I can't be bothered. And I think that I think that speaks for a lot of people. If you've got to push a couple of buttons or a few things and do this or do that, you've lost them completely. It has to be utterly simple. The key to the to a successful mus- um, multi-room system is simplicity, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's they are easy. They are easy. It's simple and robust. That's what they need to be. Yeah, yeah. If if it if if there's any work involved, I can't be asked. Oh, no, I can go without listening to it. And and uh, I'm not. I'm saying that life in general, Phil. <laughs> no, no. I, obviously, I, I'm I'm joking when I say that. But actually, you know, the the joke there is that that's how a lot of people think. And that's how a lot of people are. Well, if I've got to do something, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it's probably fair. People but are, there are I mean, there's en- endless numbers of systems. This is another category where people have seen Sonos make some money and some headway, and there's lots and lots of people involved now. Um, choose the one that suits um, your existing equipment, your aesthetic preferences, and the sort of space that you want to fill. So you can't say fairer than that, really. Yeah, totally. And it's the same as the soundbar market. I mean, just look at the people that are making soundbars these days. You know, people they've never heard of or, or have no right, like Polaroid. I mean, what the hell are Polaroid doing? They make, they a, make a soundbar as well. <laughs> yeah. Soundbar. No, it was bad enough when they did a TV. <laughs> well, let's be honest, no one's buying their cameras anymore, are they? I'd love it if there was a Polaroid mode on the TV. So you turned it on and it took a little while for the picture to appear and it was a funny <laughs> colour to start with. Just for you know when Polaroids first came out and they were kind of really popular in the 60s and 70s because, well, for various reasons, one of which was you didn't have to send the film to a developer, I suppose. But my dad had one and you know, we had photographs taken when we were kids and you look at them now and their picture quality is appalling. <laughs> they faded, they look awful. It's just, it wasn't a good system. Okay, um, I think we've, we've talked enough about hardware for this podcast. We're going to take a quick breather and we'll be back with movie news in a sec right steve what's at the cinema well uh last weekend phil i went to go and see legend which is the new film about the cray brothers and not the 1985 uh Ridley scott film with tom cruise about um well fantasy film about uh, wood sprites and elves and um, you know i've unicorns. never seen it I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been thinking about it all day and I'm, I, can, I think I can it looks say gorgeous. I've never it's not seen very it. Good. Right. Like lots of Woody Scott films, it's beautiful to look at, beautiful photography, um, all shot in studio sets. Actually, famously, the set burned down, didn't it? It was um, the old 007 stage uh, and just towards the end of filming it, it burned down. Anyway, and it bombed. Um, but uh, it's not that film, so if you accidentally buy that, you won't find any violent uh, gangsters swearing a lot, which is what you will find in Legend. Um, I've got to say, one thing about this film, which I didn't realise going into it, is how incredibly funny it is. And I, I think it's deliberately funny. It's it's borders on being a comedy at times. There are some really laugh-out-loud moments in this film, in amongst all the ultra-violence and swearing. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it is a surprisingly funny movie. I don't know how accurate it is. I don't know much about The Craze, to be honest. Um, I had a little look through Wikipedia afterwards, and uh, and I think it covers most, you know, the big stuff like the Blind Beggar shooting and um, Jack, the Hat McVitie. And, yeah, and, and had a, had a num- number one with True, didn't they? And, uh... <laughs> But what it, what it does contain is a, a powerhouse performance from um, Tom Hardy, who, who you know who is obviously playing two two different characters, two twins, one and Reggie. But um, he's utterly completely different. With it, you know, you can always tell which ones which. Apart from that, they look actually different because um, Ronnie had was had a broken nose and wears glasses, and it was also a complete nutter. Um, but Reggie um, was a more suave, better-looking one. But they, he does do them very differently. He, and, and also technology. Remember when, when Back to the Future Part Two came out and they had them. Michael J. Fox 
he interacted with himself. And you remember thinking like, how do they do that? That's amazing. Well, now it's just, you know, you just don't even bat an eyelid. You just completely forget this one actor playing two different characters who were on screen together most of the time. Uh, so it must have been a bugger to shoot it technologically, but um, it it pays off. You totally buy into it. You totally believe it. And his performance is great. The rest of the cast are pretty good too. It just, it just feels like, I think Kaz is right. It's well made. It's very funny. It's brutal in places. It's a lot of it's more swearing, I think, in this film I've ever seen in any film in history. So don't go and see it if you're easily offended. It is an 18th certificate, I should point out. Well, you were saying that the, the number of uses of the C word even surprised you. It's got more use of the C word than even on a trading floor. Yeah, uh, it was <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, it was caterpillar? Like yes, Caterpillar. Croquet? Cornucopia? See you next Tuesday. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's well made. It tells an interesting story. I think it's reasonably close to the truth. I'm sure there's been some license taken. Uh, it's got great performances. Uh, it's just something lacking. It doesn't feel, it's not a great, you know, it's not a Goodfellas or, a, you know, one of the great gangster films. It's, it, but it's just a competently made and very entertaining and unbelievably at times funny film. And I guess I didn't expect it to be a comedy, but uh, it comes, it does end up playing like that. Although there are some moments of sheer brutality in it, um, which are quite shocking. I think Kaz gave it 7 out of 10. That's probably about right. Um, I wouldn't give it two stars like the guy in The Guardian did. Although if you look at the poster, you wouldn't know that, would you, Phil? <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant use of design work. Yeah, it's... Uh, if nobody's seen the poster, it's basically four-star reviews everywhere. And it's the two... It, it's artwork that's on the homepage. If you go and look at the homepage, it, it, you know, it's the two of them looking. And that little space between the two heads where you could fit two stars in, but make it look like it was four stars. It's just perfect. Really good. Very clever. Until the guy from The Guardian spotted it. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. I didn't give it four stars. Yeah, but technically, there's only the two stars uh, there. I think two, two out of five is a bit harsher. I don't think it deserves <laughs> that. Yeah, it's, it's a competently made and entertaining gangster flick with a great performance from Tom Hardy. Or great performances, should I say, from Tom Hardy. Uh, so if you, if, you like your, if you like your East End gangsters, go along and see it. And you will laugh quite a bit, which is, which is surprising. Before we go on, better keeping it real. Uh, keeping it movie real. Uh, Star Wars is coming soon, and the Royal Mail have uh, launched the stamps, which Ed reminded me of over the weekend. Uh, thank you for the reminder, Ed. I haven't gone and ordered them yet. Um, Jeremy Corbyn. Really good. <laughs> yeah, 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 but Jeremy Corden with the, the Obi Wan Kenobi, that was brilliant. Somebody did that on Twitter. It was hilarious. Um, if you want entertainment, Ed, uh, Armando Inanucci or Ananucci, however you pronounce his surname, he's been brilliant on Twitter today. I don't know if you've been keeping up to with To be honest, Twitter has been just absolutely magnificent today. But he's, he's doing uh, the Shadow Cabinet at the minute, and it's been hilarious. Oh, it really yeah, is. But <laughs> it's just magnificent. Stella Cruz announces she'll be happy to serve in a multiverse cabinet where everything is the same but slightly better. <laughs> well, it would appear that Dennis Skinner a.k.a. The Beast of Bolsover, has just had a car crash interview with Emily Maitlis on BBC. And um, <laughs> someone's just put that Dennis Skinner interval in full, and it's just that still from The Simpsons with uh, <laughs> Grandpa Simpsons with Old Man Yells at Clouds. <laughs> <laughs> Delighted to be appointed new social media star for Labour. I've advised them to delete all accounts and reply to no one. <laughs> Uh, you know. Although seemingly he's a bit of a vinyl fan, um, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of photos on Twitter of him carrying uh, album-shaped things. <laughs> vinyl beard. He could almost be a hipster. He wasn't 65. Teetotal vegan. No, teetotal vegetarian. Uh, who enjoys cycling? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's nice. no precedent for that ever going wrong when those people were in charge of parties, was there? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Steve, is there any films coming out this week? Yeah, uh, there's a few films coming out, but the only one I think will be of interest to us is Everest, which is a... Uh... Double glazing film? Yeah. No. <laughs> My wife went to see it last night, and um, if, if I'm to quote her review directly, three-word review, bleak as fuck. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, if only they could put that on the poster. <laughs> yeah, well, it's based on a true story, which was um, the worst day's worst accident ever on Everest on the mountain, yeah. not the glazers, double glazers. Um, there was a group of climbs going on simultaneously because these days Everest is like, you know, it's like a conveyor belt, people going up and down that yeah. bloody mountain when there's that brief period of window of, of opportunity when the weather's right. May you climb. see it was about windows then? 
Yeah, there's a window opportunity. Here. So um, what happens is basically there's about you know probably about thirty or forty different um, you know um, groups on the mountain at any one time trying to climb it in this very brief window of opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, on this particular incident, I can't remember when it was exactly, but there was a massive storm hit and a bunch of guys were stuck on the mountain and quite a few of them died. Um, so uh, I can understand where your wife's probably coming from there, Ed. Yeah. Uh, it has got a great looking cast there. It's um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, uh, uh, um, Memorable. No, it has got, I've just forgotten the guy's name. Jason Clark, um, Josh Brolin, um, Kieran Knightley, um, yeah, he's got a bit of an all-star cast about so it. Is, um, is this the event from a few years ago where they were just walking past people who were needing help and yeah, leaving, and leaving them on the mountain? Because, uh, what the, I mean, the point the film makes quite right, right is that when you're at the top of Everest, you're basically at the cruising altitude of a 747. There's no air. So you've got no energy, no air. If you're running out of oxygen, and you physically can't carry someone down, you're both going to die. Uh, and you know, there's some harsh decisions to be made in the film. And, and yeah. I know I know what happened in reality, so I can imagine why it would be pretty grim, because it doesn't have what I would call a happy ending. Right. So, uh, if however, you were... <laughs> however, <I should> <laughs> as entertainment or as you know, as a film shot, uh, it was shot two D, but it was converted to three D. And I, I think there's also a three D IMAX presentation too. But you can imagine it's been pretty impressive photography in this, um, you know, and so scenes of mountain climbing. So if you get uh, vertigo, you might not want to go and see it, uh, Phil. Yeah. It, it, it... To be honest with you, Steve, it's really not appealing as a bit of entertainment, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure it's really well made and it's really well shot and it'll look beautiful and all the rest of it. But the subject matter, like Ed's wife said, it sounds pretty, pretty bleak. Yeah, for escapism, I'd, I'd just, no. Give me rednecks just driving around in overpowered cars. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, did you get Fast and Furious 7? Not yet, no. Get to the program. Uh, I've got to say, I've got the monitor audio bronzes to do. Um, so I will, yeah, I'll, I'll probably get, I'll get around I'll, to I'll that. Wait, I'll wait for it being free on a streaming service. <laughs> can, can you actually watch one to six on any of these streaming services? Just out of interest. What, back to back, no breaks. Yeah. <laughs> for free. Yeah, for free. No, they, you, they're wise to this. Generally speaking, it cycles. You can normally watch th- about three of the six or seven at any one time and it cycles the exception being that you can always watch too fast too furious because it's a festering turd of film (laughs) there's no time when you can't watch that one a festering turd of a film ev forms (laughs) yeah turn that into a positive one (laughs) legend poster designer man um if if we're stupid enough to go and still buy blu-rays uh steve what can we buy you can get Avengers Age of Ultron. You can get The Age of Adeline, uh, which has an Adobe Atmos soundtrack. And also, uh, perhaps most fun this week, Star Wars Rebels Season 1, which Excellent. I've been hearing good things about. So Yeah, I might have to go and buy that. Although, knowing, knowing it being a Disney Star Wars thing, it'll probably be about 20 quid. No, uh, it's not that bad, actually. Um, it's £18. I'm making it up. I have no idea what it costs. It's on Sky On Demand anyway, so... Yeah, yeah don't have Sky. Well, no, you don't. But it's not my problem. And Aja Ad- Adeline, what, what is that about? That's uh, Blake Lively stars as a woman who has an accident in 1920s when she's 23 years old and stops ageing. And it falls over the next um, six decades. It does star Harrison Ford. Uh, and an intro- and I can't remember the guy's name, but it's an actor who plays the younger version of his character. And he is the spitting image of Harrison Ford. Uh, so maybe they should hire that guy to play him. For the more. young Indiana Jones yeah. reboot. Uh, no, for the Star Wars so- Han Solo solo Han Solo solo film. Han Solo Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, if he's, if he's, <laughs> but if he's going to do the Han Solo 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 film, he can also do young Indiana Jones, couldn't he? Yes, yeah, so he could reboot be able to win it here if he can just act. Yeah, so basically, does he, he really just have to, act? to reboot every single Harrison Ford film chronologically. I mean, I mean come on, it's, it's 35 years. <laughs> it is Lucasfilm, he doesn't have to act. Anyway, but The Age of Adeline, though, uh, is basically a romantic drama, so it'll be interesting to see whether Atmos adds anything to that. What's Atmos going to add to a romantic drama? Well, that's what I'm saying. Remember uh, a few weeks ago, Ed was saying, you know, I think we talked about American Sniper or something, when, would, uh, it was all well and good to have Atmos with spaceships blowing up. What does it do when you're watching two people talking in a room? So... This yeah, I mean, but example even, of by the same token, can... I would love to have an Atmos mix of someone just playing a grand piano in a room. Yeah, because then you can use all the reflection points. Mm. Yeah, and I would, it would be a genuinely interesting piece of review material as well. But yeah. yes, it's um, 
the biggest problem at the moment is we we tend to uh, associate the use of Atmos with unreality, giant robots, etc. So, you know. Yeah, it might be interesting to hear I'm moaning off the three walls. Well, maybe. Fifty Shades of Grey for that, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can't believe I forgot that as my worst film of the year when we were doing that a couple of weeks ago. Well, yeah, but that's your brain compensating. And I, I, had, I think I had tried to spot it from my mind entirely, yeah. Um, right, so... I think quickly to wrap up because we are over time again. Gangster movies, what's our favourites? And the only one that really came to mind for me, really, until I sat down and thought about it, was uh, my first selection is Snatch, which kind of works with what we're talking about legend wise, doesn't it, Steve? Well, East End Cockney boys all talking in Cockney rhyming slam and swearing a lot. Yes, it does fit quite nicely. And it's also funny. I mean, they're both comedies in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I would, with scenes of brutality in them. Snatch is just the. It doesn't matter how many times I watch that, I'm still in fits watching it. It's just so funny, but at the same time, utterly, utterly brutal in in points. Um, the other one was Goodfellas. Goodfellas, un, un, undisputed classic, I'd say. I suppose you didn't think of the Godfather, Godfather Part Two. No, because yeah, the one thing. I don't know, I quite like in, if you see the episode of Family Guy where they're drowning and um, before they die, Peter goes, can I just say something before we all die? The Godfather did not care for it. Yeah. <laughs> they all start debating. <laughs> <laughs> it imposes itself upon you, but it's a classic. No, it's not. It's not a classic. It's not that good. Yeah, but, <laughs> it, slow the but then it's, it's the same as, as Ed with Jaws. You know what I mean? It, you know, if, if Ed watches that now, he'll probably think, yeah, it, it was all right, but really wasn't that worthy. It'd be interesting to see if that is the case, Ed, by the way. Well, we'll chalk it up sometime in the next 10 to 15 years, you know, see how we go. Yeah, so stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> Edge of the seat stuff. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I still love Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Well, you see, uh, I, that was on my list as well, but it was third on my list. So I didn't want to see I, all the good ones at the start. do prefer it in some ways to Snatch. Um, I just think it was before, I mean, let's face it, we weren't wise to all of the standard Guy Ritchie cliches at that point, and it just just clips along beautifully. And um, and it's even though it's not that old, it features large tracks of London which just don't exist anymore. It's, in some it, ways, it's tremendously nostalgic. It also has a lot of actors who you know their face back then, you knew you knew the face because you'd seen them in odd bits and pieces, but you didn't actually know who they were. Um, mm. Jason Statham. Who else was in that? The lad that did a lot of the kids' TV stuff. Dexter Fletcher. Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was quite a few in it. Vinnie Jones. I mean, who knew Vinnie Jones could? Well, it was one of his that. first sort Football of yeah. Fans exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And by the same token, actually, having then chastised Guy Ritchie's later work, I have to say, I have a soft spot, and I couldn't tell you why, because it's not a good film for Rock and Roller. I, I find that consistently entertaining to watch. Half of it is because I, I, I love, I have a massive man crush on Mark Strong. He's awesome. But I just, it's just a great film. Really, really. And, um, and yeah, it's also actually quite, in, in some ways, it plays against character for all for both Gerard Butler and um, Idris Elba as well. It's quite quite amusing in that regard. I I, I just quite like it. Yeah. I don't have to explain myself to you people. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, Ed, yeah, that's how it works. Uh, well, <laughs> something going wrong all these years. Hodge, I know you watch uh, tons of movies. So, what's your favourite? Uh, actually, it's one of my favourite genres. I love organised crime. <laughs> 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 Not in general, organised crime movies. Uh, I, I'm just looking through a little list here. I've liked all the ones you've said. Um, something a bit different. Boys in the Hood. This is a bit, uh, I said that's essentially a, a gangster I've movie. I've heard Menace to Society. But... I don't think I've seen that one. Donny Brasco, I quite liked. That's quite good. That Sexy, was a point Be- when... Sexy Beast also got an awful lot of good swearing in it. Yeah. I enjoyed that. That's good for a bit of a smile. There, there, is, there are loads of good gangster movies. It's just a great genre for... Um, I do quite like um, Layer Cake as well. Yeah, that yeah, was, I was, gonna, that was on my list. Yeah, that was on the TV again the other night there, and I actually sat it was about halfway through, but yeah, I've forgotten how good that was. I really liked um, Gangster Number no. 1, which was the first thing I ever saw Paul Bettany in. Uh, yeah, by the way, pops up in Legend, actually, briefly, as one of the other gangsters, um, and it's quite funny in that. Um, but yeah, he was a, it was a really... Uh, 
brilliant performance, a date breakthrough performance from him as a psychotic killer gangster in Gangster World. But my all time favourite gangster film, particularly in the East End London genre, is um, is The Long Good Friday, which I love. And it's a good film. I think in many, in some it's ways, it's a prescient film though because it's about everything yeah. that happened. They talk about happening in that film is what happens to London. So it's, it's yeah. more than just a gangster film. It, it rises above its. As genre. I say, it's more than that. It, it, it's it's not not least it's 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 of its time, but it it yes, as you say, it's very prescient and it, there's it's more it, there's more societal stuff to it. Yeah, and a young Pierce Brosnan with a hilarious, hilarious Irish accent. It never says a word in it, doesn't he? He never says a word. Oh, but he's I playing an IRA. IRA, IRA there, there is some in that case. There's a, one of the other. I and I use the word in. Well, in, I was going to say he he is Irish, so he's yeah, Irish. Yeah, because Chris Brosnan is one of the one of the IRA people, and it has just a truly magnificent <laughs> you know, top of the morning to style. I also like the way they give Helen Mirren, who was at her peak at the time, in my opinion, um, a, a decent role as this, not just your average gangster's mole, but actually playing an intelligent upper class woman who's you know who's as much of um, Harold's equal you know, equal partner in, in the in the business. This is just but, this is just you and older women again, isn't it? She wasn't old then. Wow. <laughs> well, she was compared to you. Yeah. What to me at the time? You, yeah. You've you've got Rooney syndrome, haven't you? No, I just think Helen Mirren's an attractive woman and a very good actress, and apparently a bit of a go in her youth, which is always good to know. <sighs> Sunk again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, on that bombshell, that's it for this week. Thanks very much for listening. My thanks to Steve Withers. Are you so eager to see blood flow? Mark Hodgkinson. Every wolf suffers fleas. Tis easy enough to scratch. And dead Sally. I vote we run like hell. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkaveforums.com for latest reviews, news and video, and you can also leave us a rating on iTunes. It is appreciated, only if it's five stars. Uh, I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening, and we will see you again next week. Next week.